Here's what's making business headlines today. I'm Bryce, joined by Ren. It's Wednesday, the 23rd of November. Ren, where are we heading today? Well, Bryce, we're starting in the US, heading across to Europe, and then finishing here in Australia. Well, let's head over to the US, where former Disney CEO Bob Iger is returning to his role after retiring less than a year ago. Bob replaced Bob now being replaced by Bob. (laughs) Confusing. (laughs) But yeah, Bob Iger is back to replace Bob Chapek, who has overseen a difficult year so far for the entertainment giant. Just a few weeks ago, Disney delivered a less than encouraging quarterly report to investors. Despite growing its audience, Disney's streaming services remained unprofitable and the direct-to-consumer section of the business racked up $1.5 billion of losses. Disney's stock has fallen about 40% this year and there's growing unrest from board members who believe Bob Chapek was not the right person to lead the company. There's a certain irony in that line given, what, six months ago they extended his contract for another three years, but hey, board members like the rest of us can change their mind. It is weird, but now Iger is back. He oversaw Disney during a 15-year stint as CEO until 2020, and what a 15 years it was. He acquired Marvel, Lucasfilms, aka Star Wars, and 21st Century Fox. Disney Plus's launch was also largely Iger's doing. Disney's portfolio of streaming services, keep in mind they've got three, Star, Hulu, and Disney Plus, has more subscribers globally than any other company, aka more subscribers globally than Netflix, but Disney Plus is yet to turn a profit. Now outgoing CEO Bob Chapek had promised that by 2024 it would reach profitability, but I guess that's now Bob Iger's challenge. Time will only tell. Like many of its streaming competitors, Disney is trying to shift from a customer acquisition strategy to profitability, but is doing so in a difficult economic environment and a very saturated market. Well, Bryce, let's turn to our second story in Europe where the European Commission has proposed a price cap on natural gas sold in the EU. After months of negotiations and divisions within the Commission, they agreed to propose a price cap level of €275 per megawatt hour. Now, for context, current prices of natural gas are about 120 euros. So 275 euros per megawatt hour is incredibly high. There are questions of whether the cap will ever be used. 275 euros, that wasn't even reached at the peak of the energy crisis earlier in the Northern Hemisphere summer. But I guess the fact that they're putting the cap so high shows how worried they are about what the energy price could be in the future. Yeah, well, it is serving as an emergency break in case prices do surge above that €275 price cap, and it comes as Russia continues to squeeze the supply of natural gas reaching Europe. Today, Russia threatened to further restrict gas supplies to Western Europe through the only pipeline still connecting the regions. So this price cap is only proposed. The price proposed is far higher than what the price is now. But the reason this story is important is it just tells us that we're not out of the woods yet in Europe and around the world. The OECD this week released numbers that said in 2022, OECD nations will spend 18% of their GDP on energy compared to 10% in 2021. So the world's spending more on energy and if the European Commission are right, that's not going to change anytime soon. Mm. Well, Ren, let's move to our final story where Qantas, Australia's major airline, has lifted its profit expectations for the second half of 2022, just weeks after its initial forecast. Just weeks. (laughs) I know. It shows how quickly the fortunes of airlines are rebounding. 
Hopefully their service levels can rebound with it. <laughs> Qantas has predicted a $1.45 billion profit before tax in the six months of the year, $150 million higher than it forecast just last month. Yeah, it just things are changing quickly in the travel industry. Qantas has said it's clear customers have prioritised travel ahead of other spending categories. So despite high inflation, despite rising interest rates, customers are travelling, Qantas is benefiting. Hopefully they stop cancelling flights and losing bags. (laughs) And Qantas was also wrapped with its operational performance. Oh, really? Oh, really? (laughs) New government stats showed it was the most on-time Australian airline and had a cancellation rate of just 2.2%. Earlier this year, Qantas copped intense criticism after customers experienced long delays, cancellations and plenty of lost luggage. This does sound a little bit airy-fairy. I'm pretty confident those government stats don't say the same thing about Jetstar, which Qantas (laughs) owns, but anyway. We'll let them throw on a technicality. The other notable thing is Qantas customers built up $2 billion worth of travel credits during the pandemic from cancelled flights. 60% of those credits have now been used. And this news really should take some pressure off Alan Joyce. Shares were up more than 5% in early trading on Wednesday. Travel's back. Travel's back. Go, Alan. But, Ren, let's turn to our stat of the day. What have you got? $40. That is the amount an average Australian spends in an average week on food delivery through the likes of Uber Eats, Deliveroo and DoorDash. There you go. But they're not spending that money on Deliveroo anymore because it has collapsed, joining a growing list of restaurant food delivery and super fast grocery delivery apps that are either collapsing or cutting costs around the world. Yeah, sad to see Ren Deliveroo was my favourite. But on today's episode of The Dive, we look at the collapse of Deliveroo in Australia and what the future is for unprofitable delivery services. Could it be profit? (laughs) You'd hope so. (laughs) You'll find that episode accompanying these news headlines. But Ren, have a great day. Sounds good.